You're listening to Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network, and I am your host, Mark. Janet Weiss, of way more bands than I can mention here, joins the podcast. She's here to talk about her latest release, Cockroach in a Ghost Town, by her band Slang. But we actually go back to find out how that band came to be. We start with her playing guitar, not drums. But once she did find the drums, it was an instant connection. It was so obvious, in fact, that everyone else felt it too. Janet talks about how many lessons she took before joining a band and opening for the Flaming Lips. She also explains her move to Portland, starting a few other bands like Quasi, who ended up being Elliot Smith's band for a while. And we also talk about Slater Kinney. She opens up about a terrible car accident that could have spelled the end of her career, but she had an incredible support system of family, friends, and fans that kept her recovery on track. We do talk about Slang's new album, how things have changed from a duo doing covers to a full band, and we actually wrap up on our mutual love of the automobile. So give the band a follow on Facebook, check out at T-H-E-E Slang on Instagram, and at Real Slang on Twitter. Follow us at Performance ANX on Twitter and Instagram, and you can help us. We're also on Facebook, and you can help us out through ko-fi.com slash performanceanxiety or performanceanx.threadless.com for merch. Now let's get right into the show with Janet Weiss of Slang on Performance Anxiety, part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Okay. Uh, hi, this is Janet Weiss, drummer from Portland, Oregon. Uh, shoot. Okay, I got to start over. I'm not... Okay. Hi, this is Janet Weiss, drummer from Portland, Oregon, and you're listening to Performance Anxiety, where I'm talking about being a drummer, and I'm also talking about my band Slang's new record, which is coming out on Kill Rock Stars, and it's called Cockroach in a Ghost Town. All right, there we go. So you just connect to the audio. Is it? I don't think it's working. Yes. Is it working with this mic, though? Yes, I got you. Okay, good. You just never know. Oh, I know. Technology is amazing, isn't it? <laughs> Amazingly horrible. It is. <laughs> and I'll, I'm going to make a, a give you a warning real fast. I've my two dogs are just going crazy tonight, so we may hear them in the background. So okay, well, we could hear mine too. <laughs> okay, well that that would be a party. No big deal. Yeah, dog party. <laughs> <laughs> the well, best kind. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you again for joining me. This is uh, this is awesome. I'm just I'm a huge fan of of your drumming. I mean, it's it's really <laughs> so cool you. to have you on. <laughs> Thanks. The way I like to do this podcast is to kind of find out how you got into music in the first place. I think that helps helps everybody make a little more sense of of where you are now. You know, the, the new okay. album that's coming out, and, and before we go too deep, I do have a message. You, you, hopefully you, you may or may not remember this guy. Uh, it's a friend of mine, Jordan Zadarozny from Blinker the Star. Uh huh. He said to say hello. He said oh, he used to see you a lot at Paul Demore's house. Oh yeah, yeah. man, that was a long time ago. Yeah. Paul Demore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's in Topanga Canyon. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. so Jordan said to yeah. say hello. He's, he wasn't sure if you right, remember well, him or not, but he's. Uh, yeah. Tell him hi. I will. So, Very cool. So when you were growing up, was music big in the house? Was there a lot of it going on? And what was influencing you when you're young? I think 
probably the biggest two influences on me when I was young. Uh, the first would be AM radio. I grew up, you know, a kid in the seventies and sort of the, you know, the heyday of AM radio. There was a yeah. radio station. Uh, I grew up in Hollywood, California, and there was a station called KHJ and it just played such a diverse kind of microcosm of music. Like, you know, things butted up against each other that today would not happen, you know, yeah. like, Sly and the Family Stone and Bob Dylan and, you know, just things that like were different genres right. that kind of exposed me. The station exposed me to a lot of different types of music um, and kind of gave me a, an, a broader idea. I think of what like pop music is, you know, to me, I'm like, oh, KJ, you know, like, like the, all the stuff I heard on the radio, Jackson five and the Carpenters, you know, right up against something heavier like black Sabbath or, you know, it was right. just, it was very eclectic and I loved, loved, loved listening to the radio. I still do really enjoy listening to the radio. So that would probably be one of the, one of the bigger influences when I was real little. Also, I have two older sisters, so they okay. influenced me quite a bit. The things they were listening to piqued my interest. Like, Elton John, you oh, know, nice. like when I, when I was in like fourth grade, you know, and yeah. good, goodbye Elbrick road came out and I, uh, my sister had the gatefold and I would sit there and look at the drawing and just kind of get into that whole vinyl staring at the pictures and you know, the culture of like, while you're listening to the music, you're sort of absorbing the, you know, the, the liner notes or the photos exactly. or, you know, the credits or whatever, like, you know, as a real little kid, I was probably too little to understand what it all was. But as I got older, it just became a habit to like open the record and see what's in there and, yeah. you know, see what I, that was really the only way you got to see what they looked like, you know, or hopefully. Right. And, you know, it wasn't like today where, you know, what a band looks like first, like this was like, you heard the music, maybe you heard it on the radio yeah, and then, you know, you got the record and then you like scoured yeah. <laughs> to like, you know, to like find out who these people were. Yeah. Your resources were limited. You know, the, yeah. maybe if they had a, a band photo in, in the album. And yeah. I think along with the radio, that's one of the things that's been lost is the art of listening to an album with streaming and, and all and satellite radio. You know, you don't get the variety of music on the radio and then right. you don't, nobody sits down anymore and listens to an entire album front to back. Yeah. I mean, I still do, notes. but yeah, but I my, mean, my kids what, don't like, though. It, that's what makes me an old person. Yeah, me too. And I'm, I'm okay with that. You <laughs> yeah. know, I mean, I'm, I feel so lucky that I grew up when I did and had access to like the, the scenes that I did and the music and the way that I found music, you know, that I just don't know another way. And as something that I truly love, I don't think, you know, I won't be able to like fit myself into the new mold, you know, cause yeah. I'm old and like, I just like to do it how I like to do it. Right. I like, to, I like to go to the record store, you know, I yeah. like to look at records and I love the artwork and, um, you know, like we just got the new slang record, like the actual record, you oh, know? So like awesome. after designing it and, you know, it's just so much work goes into it that like when you get the physical 
thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, there's something so thrilling about it, even after all these years and all these records, it's, it never gets old, like holding yeah. that vinyl in your hands for the first time. Yeah. Especially that big format. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah, I mean, I love CDs and all, <laughs> yeah. but the, the yeah. <laughs> album vinyl or yeah. vinyl artwork is just, yeah. there's nothing like I mean, it. I know to kids, we sound like dinosaurs, but that's, you know, that's what I love, you know, yeah, exactly. that's what I love. I, so, and I feel like, you know, to, to each his own, you know, yeah. I think it's, it's always, yeah, there you I go. Got the CD there it version. Is. Yeah. Yeah. That looks, pretty, that looks pretty nice too. It does. It, does. it gets real big when I put it close to the camera. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, um, I, so anyway, so I, so I guess vinyl, the radio, um, and then as I got older, you know, then kind of MTV happened and I would sort of wait to see my favorite bands, you know, come on, which was rare. I was yeah. a huge Cla clash fan. The clash were my favorite band. Oh, in wow. High school. And I would just wait and wait. I would stay home sick from school so that I could watch <laughs> MTV and wait for a clash video and I just wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. That's and eventually awesome. it would happen or like an Elvis Costello video, you know, when's it going to come on? Right. Yeah. So that was a, like a smaller part. And then the next development would have been like going to college and starting to see more live music. Okay. And like that, that's, I think when, you know, when I started going to clubs, that's when I, got the idea that like, maybe I could do it, you know? Cause before that I had never, it hadn't even crossed my mind that I could actually do that because oh, really, I would go to such big shows like uh, David Bowie at the forum, you know, or I yeah. would use my fake ID to go see X, you know, at some, <laughs> some little club. I mean, they're so glamorous, you know, it was like, yeah. Dream syndicate, like these bands that I loved that, but they were, up on a pedestal, you know, I was like, Oh, I could never be, those were adults. And yeah. I could never be, I could never be like them. Exactly. But now you were, you've always had that creative side to you. Cause you did get your degree in photography. I did. So, which I love because I, loved, I left school. I, I went to school college for photography, but I, I left. I loved photography and I loved film, but I was, you know, how I just didn't know, like, how do you make a career out of these things? I'm still asking and luckily, that. Luckily, music came along and, you know, sidetracked me completely. And I but, still use the, I still use those kind of things that I learned in within music. But uh, music was definitely like huge, you know, like it was just like the floodgates open. And I was like, oh. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is, therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work, not dealing well with the stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. 
It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Try doing that in person. So join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And a special offer to Performance Anxiety listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash performance anxiety. That's betterhelp.com slash performance anxiety. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. And your instrument hadn't found you yet because you were playing guitar at that point. Right. I play guitar. I play many instruments badly. (laughs) (laughs) But the the drums, the drums, I was like, okay. I mean, I feel like I can kind of fake my way in a very rudimentary manner on several instruments. But the drums, I mean, I'm still learning on the drums too, but. Well, that's good though. I put in in more time on the drums and the drums were the most like, uh, they spoke to me the most. They're physical, you know, and I'm like kind of an aggressive person, like a (laughs) sporty, you know, (laughs) I'm I'm like fairly coordinated. So it was like things that, and I, and I didn't want to be in the front. So it was like things Uh, that really suited my personality. But you had a kind of a weird transition to drums though. I mean, it was very quick. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It was very quick. I, I don't, I just went to a show, this band blue movie was playing local San Francisco band three piece. The drummer stood up. His name is Rich Ferguson. And I actually just saw him at a quasi show in Los Angeles. Oh, wow. It was, it was so nice. Cause I mean, if not for him, I wouldn't be a drummer basically, wow. you know, like, and I went up to him after and I asked him if I could, he could give me a lesson <laughs> and he's like, sure. So he gave me a lesson on a pad. That was my one and only drum lesson of my life. Oh my gosh. And then I got asked to be in a band. So it was, I, I did not know how to play, but I gave it a shot. <laughs> oh my gosh. And yeah, it was very, hum- very humiliating. And you, <laughs> was that with the Furies? Yeah, the Furies. And you went Which on I, tour pretty quickly after that, right? Yeah, we went on tour. We gosh. opened for the, flame, for the Flaming Lips. Wow. And at the time they had a, ba- uh, a drummer named Richard and he was incredible. And I just would sit there and watch him like at soundcheck, just like, what am I doing? (laughs) How, how am I going to get up there after he plays? I didn't know anything, you know, like a soundcheck, like, how do you do it? You know, like they ask you for all the instruments, you know, kick drum. And you're kind of like, okay, kick drum. Like, I don't know how to, you know, I would just watch, watch, watch. I would have my eye on every drummer I saw to like, try to help me figure out how to do it, you know, cause I just was thrown right in the deep end. That's amazing. We made the Furies actually made a video and I looked for it kind of recently cause Sam, my quasi bandmate, he saw the Furies. He saw the Furies before me and after I joined and he, I had only been playing drums for two weeks, but he said I ruined the band because I was too good. Oh my gosh! That that gives you an idea of the. It was very child. It was very childlike. It was kind of like the Shags. Okay. Like, like a band that would ask a person who didn't know how to play to be in the band. That's the kind of band it was. <laughs> That's the best description. <laughs> I, I I know exactly the sound now. <laughs> and other bands, other bands would be so enamored because you can't go back to that 
you can't go back to that level of playing like no. of just you're like so confident but you don't know what you're doing and bands like flaming lips just thought it, i'm sure it was like really cute you know like, oh, <laughs> it's so cute and we would try to improvise and it was just it was a trip it was a real trip oh i would love to see that video <laughs> oh man yeah I, uh, yeah. Oh, it gives, it gives me kind of like chills to think of it. Cause like, Oh, I don't want to go back. Good, no, not good. Uh, not good. Chills. <laughs> not good. Chills. Okay. Not good. Like a uh, fever chills. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't want to do that. So, all right. So let's move on. So how long were you in, in the furies and when, when did that? I think that was a, yeah, that was about a year. Okay. And, and then the bass player, I stayed with the bass player, Maggie, and we, started another band called ed and ed, ed was yeah ed awesome. was four of us and we were like we you know we really thought we were like we'd figured it all out and <laughs> it was ed was fun and ed like got me into a recording studio for the first time and oh really yeah you know there were things i did with ed that kind of set the stage for you know i'd been playing for a year so i was a little i could play a little bit better Oh, I still was not a good drummer, but I could play better. <laughs> and we were trying to be really creative. Well, so what, what was, was the sound similar to anything that would come after Ed, or is it a little closer to I, the Furies? I don't think so. I mean, I, it was kind of unique. I mean, there were several songwriters. We all wrote songs. We'd switch around instruments, which I never liked. Like I'd have oh, to go wow. play guitar and I didn't like that. <laughs> and then there'd be two drummers sometimes. I, you know, we would write instrumentals. We had, I don't know. It was, it was a lot of fun, but very, uh, it was crazy, crazy <laughs> times, college, you know, four women just were all sort of like, you know, learning how to play and writing songs for the first time. It was, it was great. So things kind of took a step forward with motor goat though. Right. And how long was it until mo from, I guess, Ed to motor goat. So, while I was in Ed, I met Sam Coombs, okay. who uh, we were, so we met, he came to an Ed show and then he was in a band called Donner Party, who I oh, love. Yeah, okay. Yeah. One of my, was one of my favorite bands at the time. And I was psyched because Sam from Donner Party was at the show and he <laughs> wanted to play a show with Ed. So we played a show and then we kind of got to know each other and then we ended up moving to Portland together. Sam and oh, me, cool. Sam and I, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and when we got here, we rented a house and, you know, the idea was, yeah, we're going to move to Portland and make a little home recording setup and start a band and play music. And yeah, we did all of that. And, uh, we got jobs here and I mean, we're still here, you know, yeah, <laughs> but we, worked out. you know, we bought a little Fostex eight track, uh, this is the funniest little quarter inch, um, <laughs> you know, recording setup, And we started this band called motor goat. We made a couple of cassettes and then we wanted to start playing live. So we got our friend, Brad, who was in a San Francisco band called harm farm. He moved to Portland for a while and played in motor goat. We're motor goat. Ready, kids? Thanks for coming.
that's and, names. And then that was kind of like a year, a year, I guess, maybe. Okay. And there's, I just talked to someone the other night who still has one of the cassettes. Like, you know, they're still floating around. Oh, wow. But then that kind of dissolved. And then Quasi started after Motor Goat. So Motor okay. Goat was mostly Sam. Brad wrote some songs too, but it was Sam kind of writing the songs. Yeah. And then Quasi kind of started. And that was when, that was sort of when the Portland scene was really picking up steam and. Okay. We got to know a bunch of people here and other musicians and it was like a great, it was a great place to be a musician and we all had basements and we all had our day jobs and then we played music, you know, as the thing that we loved. And a lot of those friends I still have now. Okay. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, it's like when you look back on your life, like that to me is like a golden era. Quasi. No, I like the, I love the sound of quasi. chance to listen to, to motor goat is, is there a, a, a some of the same personnel is the sound much different motor goat is guitar it's like guitar bass and drums whereas okay. quasi has a lot of the keyboards okay. some songs are keyboards drums some songs are guitar drums i think it's probably a mashup between donner party and quasi oh, okay so but it's guitar driven now it was was quasi the band that backed Elliot Smith. Yes. Okay. Okay. So how did how did you meet him and, and start working with him? So yeah, Elliot was just like this quiet guy who was friends with all our friends and was in a band called Heat Miser. And yes. he wanted to record some music that wasn't quite right for Heat Miser. That's okay. how he, you know, kind of presented it. So he he asked if he could use our wonderful Fostex quarter inch eight track when we were at work. So we would go to work and Elliot would come over and record in our house. <laughs> and we never really heard even what he was doing oh, wow. until a little bit, until a little bit later. And we're, we were just completely blown away by how like quiet and thoughtful it was because he miser is like a full on rock band. Yeah. Really good rock band, but you know, full on rock band, like, backwards baseball caps and you know like like rock <laughs> yeah so when we heard this music that ellie recorded on his own it was pretty surprising but yeah he was a quasi fan and we were a fan of his music and we were friends and we just all hung around the same places and uh it just made sense when he wanted to have a band he asked us okay to, you know so we opened and then we played with him oh wow that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, did you yeah. guys ever record together? I think, well, you know, he recorded with Sam, but I think I, I was also in Slater Kinney at the time. So there was a little bit of a, like, it was a little bit tough to like balance everything. Uh, and Slater Kinney was, you know, my band. So it wasn't like 
I couldn't like say no to a Slater Kinney thing. Oh, right. Yeah. You do Elliot stuff, even though I really, really enjoyed it. I just felt like I had to kind of focus on my band at the time, but I think we did record. I know I recorded some stuff with Elliot that never came out like oh, wow. at the house at the house. I don't, I don't know where it is now, but it's somewhere. Yeah. And Sam recorded with him a lot. Like Sam went on to be his bass player for a long time. Okay. Yeah. So you mentioned Slater Kinney. How did you come to meet uh, Carrie and uh, Corinne? Yeah. So the first time I met them, I was also in a band at the time. This is 1995 or 96. Okay. I was in a band called junior high with, uh, Sean Krogan. He was in a band called cracker bash that broke up a great Portland band called cracker bash that okay. we all loved. And then he started a new band with Joanna Bolmy, who has played in quasi and who is the bass player in Steve Malcolm's and the chicks. Right. And, She's recorded, you know, she recorded a lot of Elliot's earlier material. She's very talented musician and engineer. And so I was in this band with Joanna and Sean and we had a guitar player, second guitar player as well. And that band junior high opened for Slater Kinney at upstairs at La Luna, this club that we have here, like the, the small room. Okay. And yeah, I just remember thinking how much I liked it. I bought Call the Doctor at the show and just thought, I thought to myself like, oh yeah, I could be in that band. Like it was very, <laughs> wow, you know, like hard hitting, you know, like uh, kind of aggressive like me. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, I just related to it, you know, like, oh, that seems like music I could play and I would fit, fit in with. And then they somehow like their drummer quit and they, we're looking for a new drummer and it's kind of a mutual friend suggested me. Oh, cool. And so I, yeah. And they remember like, Oh yeah, this was the person who was the drummer in junior high. And so we had seen each other play. Uh, so yeah. And then I just went to their house, went to Corin's house and went in the basement and just tried out some music and it went really well. Oh, that's awesome. So at this point, when you're, you joined Slater Kenny, is, is quasi done? Because I know quasi oh, no. just kind of comes in and out all over yeah. the place. Quasi has, I mean, our first record is, came out in, I don't know, 96, 97. Yes. So yeah, it's kind of like, it, it's kind of like the agreement that you make, like, okay, I'm going to be in two or three bands. Like everyone <laughs> has to be like somewhat cooperative. Like, okay, we're not going to all put records out the same year. Like you kind of stagger the records. Okay. Uh, which, which is sort of what we did. Slater Kinney definitely toured a lot more than Quasi. And, but yeah, Quasi's kind of the slow burn, like been there the whole time. <laughs> and Slater Kinney would take breaks to, you know, for a while there, we were going pretty like full on. some breaks started to be built into the schedule. I mean, 
I wouldn't have wanted it any other way. Like playing so much is really great. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Hey guys, I want to talk to you about socks for a second. Why not? It's a music podcast. But I tried a pair of socks from Boldfoot and love them. I've only worn them once because my kids have stolen them. So in my household, that's the best endorsement I can give. And I guess it's fitting because the design I chose was Jailbait. Wait, Jailbird. The design I chose was Jailbird. I might keep that in. The socks are 100% American made and 5% of all proceeds go to veteran charities. It makes sense seeing that Boldfoot is a family and veteran owned company. They have a huge variety of styles. So check out boldfoot.com and buy some of the best socks you've ever slapped on your feet and help veterans while you're at it. That's boldfoot.com. Around 2000, you kind of hit overdrive as far as playing because I was looking at <laughs> what, you, what you were involved in around that time from like 99 to, to the early to mid 2000s. All right, you've got the go-betweens, gold card, all smiles, Bright Eyes, Stephen Malcolm's and the Jicks, Ramona Falls, Wild Flag, The Shins, The Drumgasm Album. that one period I right mean, that's that's it's spread out but yeah. yeah i mean drummers are not monogamous like we cannot just <laughs> we cannot just have one van it's not possible and really i think it's so helpful to play with different people oh it's bad it's just so you know as a musician it really makes you better and you know things i learned from Malcolmus, like just to be, you know, like more easygoing about like the monitors or the gear, like <laughs> you just don't have to have everything in the monitor or like, you don't, you may not get the perfect drum kit when you go, you know, like just to kind of take it as it comes a little bit more. Okay. Um, that sounds like something that you yeah, would th- teach you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Right. That sounds appropriate. Yeah. But things, you know, I don't know. You learn, you learn something in every situation and, for me, I, it's hard for me just to do one thing. <laughs> it's really hard. And I like to just jump around and have some variety. Well, yeah. Cause a lot of those bands have such a, a wide variety of styles to play in. I mean, you know, like go betweens sounds something like Stephen Malkmus and Ramona falls, not anything close to a uh, wild flag. I've actually yeah, found some I really mean, cool it, stuff. It, trying to figure some of these bands because I hadn't heard of some of these bands. So I went back to listen and man, it's such good. Like Ramona Falls. I had never heard of them before. I love that stuff. Yeah, it's cool.
that, I, that project, I just played one thing, you know, I didn't like, that wasn't like my band. So some of it is like, you know, like James from the shins, who's a good friend of mine asked me to like, Hey, will you play a couple songs on this record? It turned out to be like a radio song, you know, like a song that I had never been played on the mainstream radio. Like that was the first time I would hear myself on the radio. It was really exciting. You just kind of never know. Like I, it's fun to play in different, you know, where you're being asked different things, like doing some things, you know, like wild flag. That was, I did a lot in wild flag. I was like, you know, I, that was my band, you know, that was yeah. our band. it from the ground up but like something like bright eyes where they i played on a record and then did you know like a world tour with them totally different different setup to me the recording part of it is really like just the most fun Um, because then when you then if you get to tour you get to play some of your own parts but it was also in challenging to learn Fridays has so much, so much catalog, you know, oh, yeah. so many songs and they're really different. Um, some are more, you know, the beats are more like mechanical and the some are really organic. And yeah, I learned a lot doing those tours and some bands tour like fancy with buses and yeah. some bands tour in a van, <laughs> you know, so that's fun too, to like get to experience some different kind of approaches. Was it tough to prepare for for something like the, the Bright Eyes or, or the Shins where uh, they've got such a catalog? Preparation is different for different situations. For something like Bright Eyes where I was going to do a tour, you know, there's like a list of songs that you need to learn. So I take all that pretty seriously. I study a lot. Okay. <laughs> I yeah. practice. I wear my headphones. I learn the song just the song, like listening to it. And then I start learning the drums and I make these kind of weird maps that are silly looking that have a lot of shapes in them so that I know the structure. And I, I just kind of practice a lot and no matter how much I practice, it's usually never enough. (laughs) And you have to kind of be thrown in there and like you learn as you go. But I like, I do like to prepare. Um, something, the shins, I never toured with them. I just played on the record. So it was like, I just flew to Los Angeles. I had no idea, you know, what it was going to be. And then they just (laughs) played me the song without drums. And I just put my headphones on and just kind of went crazy (laughs) and recorded, you know, like overdubbed the drums. So yeah, that was something where I, you know, my 
life was my preparation for that. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like sometimes just your life experiences is what you're drawing on when you play, you know, yeah. like your, emo- your emotions or your, for me, it's a very emotional, visceral kind of situation when I'm playing. How, I guess, how and when did you end up meeting Drew Grow and start slang? So I met Drew about almost 12 years ago and we started dating and we were both in other bands. I had just started wild flag with Carrie and Mary and Rebecca. So that whole like wonderful circus had just started (laughs) and he was in a band at the time as well. And I think when we first started playing together, it was more, it was casual. It was like, Hey, we're both in these other bands that take up most of our time. And why don't we start a cover, a cover band, (laughs) but like kind of covers that maybe some people wouldn't know. So it was just the two of us (laughs) and Drew's an amazing singer. Like he can kind of sing anything. Yeah. Like he's a guy who can sing Aretha Franklin, you know, like there's not that many people who can do that and not sound ridiculous, but he, he has such a great voice and it was, and I love picking out covers. So it was like, I was like a kid in a candy store, like oh, that is picking, awesome. out, picking out these songs. Like, what about this one? What about this one? What about this one? And so we just kind of started playing like that, like very just fun. There was no pressure. We did some shows, you know, like living room show or a show in Seattle or you know, opening some little show in Portland. It was just not, we, there were no ambitions attached to it. Okay. We just wanted to play together because we like, we like each other (laughs) and that eventually kind of morphed into, well, let's write some original songs and see how that goes. And then, well, let's record some songs and see how that goes. We have a pro tools uh, at this point we live together. So we have a pro tools set up in a little studio in our basement. Uh, And then it just kind of kept snowballing to like, Oh, well now we've got this many songs, you know, let's get Sam to come over and play bass on the song. So Sam will come over, you know, play this really awesome bass. And then at some point, the next step was like, why don't we get a band so that we can start, you know, being a real band and playing shows. So we asked Kathy and Anita, you know, two of Portland's finest. Yes to uh to join us and so you know then that was like okay now we're a real band but there were still obstacles i feel like (laughs) slang has had a lot of obstacles in our short life Um, i got in a really bad car accident in 2019 and that sidelined me for you know quite a bit and then covid happened uh, and so we're just now with the record being done coming out, we've got the record release shows and we're just starting to feel like, okay, now we're actually getting going and there's still a lot going on for each of us. Like everybody works and everybody has other bands and, but it's a priority and we enjoy playing together and, and we're hoping, you know, to like do more now that, bands are able to tour a little, little bit more easily, not yeah. 
you know, it's pretty crowded out there. Um, oh, yeah. and there's, you know, there's still COVID kind of screwing things up, but it's definitely better this year than it was last year. So I have a question for you before we dive into the debut slang album. So you mentioned the car accident and you broke both your legs and your collarbone. Did that change the way you played at all or, or any, any, the way you approached music at all? Uh, I mean, mostly it changed just, I don't know, just kind of my overall like love of life, you know, that's fair. I mean, I, it, it definitely, it definitely forces you to appreciate just, you know, things you may have taken for granted, like the things you have and the health, you know, having your health is just the most valuable thing. And, and for me, the, probably the biggest revelation was just that I had this like network of people that were there for me, like friends, family, fans, you know, like, like a big net, like people really wanted to take care of me and support me through this like super traumatizing event. And that is just like, I'll never get over it. You know, just how amazing it is to have that kind of support system. And people were like, wanted to give back, you know, like, well, I love your music. They didn't even know me, but they treated me like I was their family. You know, it was, that was very moving. Like every day it was incredibly moving. So if I could never play music again, at least I had that, you know? Yeah. But I was pretty determined to play. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I had to like rejigger things, my kit. I had to move things around a little bit to like, so I could sit closer. Okay. And I still have some pain in my leg. My arm feels fine, but I feel like I can play the same now. And I just did a tour with quasi and I played in uh, John Spencer's band called the hit hit makers. Oh, cool. So I did double duty. It was very challenging and I definitely felt the limits of like my body, but I did feel like I could play to a level that to me is acceptable. Um, and I could load gear and I could help, you know, I wasn't like a total liability, which was (laughs) definitely scary for a while. They're like, am I just going to be the person who can't help, you know? And, And so I think now I feel like I'm back. Like, I'm not sure I'll ever be a hundred percent, but I do feel like my playing is similar. Okay. You know, maybe, maybe a few little things kick drum wise that I can't do as well, but it's, I don't think it's noticeable except to me. Right. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hope. Yeah. <laughs> but well, I'll take it. I'm, I'm super grateful that I can do it. And yeah, at this level or anything, you know, close to like a, full on like tour, you know, play for an hour and a half, play for two hours. Like I'm just really psyched that I can do that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So I have some questions about the album. So it's slang's debut album. Correct. And the first time I listened to it, I was in my car. So I wasn't looking at the songs or anything because trying to be safe and drive, <laughs> not, not, not look down at liner notes and stuff. So 
I hear a couple songs and then I hear this bass line and I know this song and it was Hit the City. Mark Lanigan, I'm a huge Lanigan fan, and that's my favorite song off the Bubblegum album. Yeah, I, well, the story to my hearing that song is that uh, I was with Sam on a quasi tour of England. We did like a UK tour and England and Ireland, and we were at some little art house venue. We were on like the third floor, and our little backstage room, but you could hear down in the main room, there was a DJ, like a very, very hip DJ, Englishly stylish, you know, (laughs) very sixties looking. And he was super cool. (laughs) And I heard, I heard these harmonies and I was like, who is that singing? Like who I mostly, I was like, who is that woman singing? Yeah. Like, who is that? Who is that woman singing those harmonies? And I think <laughs> I might've been able to tell that it was Mark Lanigan. I did not know the song. And I hiked down the stairs and I went down there and I went into the room, went up to the DJ and said, who, who's singing these harmonies? And he said, oh, oh well, that's PJ Harvey. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that <laughs> makes total sense. And then as I got closer, like Lanigan's, I could tell it was Lanigan. But I didn't know that they, I hadn't heard that record and I hadn't heard that song and it was just so fantastic. And, you know, I'm a harmony singer. She is not a harmony singer. No. She's a lead, she's a lead singer, yeah. but man, can she sing harmonies? Like her voice just is so stellar. And, uh, and so yeah, that's, so that's unique. It's a very unique sound yeah. on that, for the, that, uh, that, yeah, that song. Cause she's not, cause she's a lead singer. Yeah. You know, you get, you get the two lead singers together. It's like good stuff's going to happen. Yeah. But I was very impressed with the song and I love her voice. And uh, I don't know, Drew and I just were like, yeah, let's cover it. And then with Anita, you know, adding like Kathy and Anita and Anita solo is just so incredibly good. You know, like that was, that was a real thrill recording that and watching her just whip out these um, incredible like it's not edited together you know like Aerosmith used to do oh like it's an actual it's the actual solo (laughs) have what's his name I can't remember the studio guy come in and do all Joe's solos yeah (laughs) comp everything together well Anita could be that person she could go play Joe Perry solos for him he might still need it he might need it more than ever at this point (laughs) but I also love the way the album opens up with Wilder
sounds awesome. I can hear that in like a, a stadium, open up a football game or something. That is, that is a great, and it's a huge track. I love it. Yeah, thanks. We uh, we ended up so we recorded we recorded it in the basement, and then just thought like wow. we need we need to get like the drums sounding better, you know. So we actually took some of the songs and I overdubbed drums like to that one in this. It's like a, it's a huge room with a, like a skate pool in it. It's like a big, oh, wow. Boomy, huge sounding room. So that really helped push that song kind of over the edge, but yeah, it's a fun way to start the shows and oh yeah, we're, we're really into the, you know, the ladies singing, a lot and like just kind of belting it out singing together and singing harmonies and it, you know it kind of takes three of us to like match drew it's like yeah. drew's <laughs> huge voice against, and then the three of us are like you know coming to get him oh man. Uh, yeah, his, yeah his vocals are amazing like so one of the coolest things to, for me on this album is the the glam style that you guys do the uh there's like this big on, on several tracks. There's this like big seventies Bowie kind of like glam sound, like in hot water and chip tooth. sounds Bowie-esque singing-wise. Yeah, he, we were definitely listening to a lot of that at the time. We were, you know, T-Rex and, and Bowie and some stuff that Drew was kind of getting into for the first time, like this kind of glam, uh, the, the glam world. And I think he just <laughs> dove in and really embraced it. Oh, and, awesome. you know, as a, as like a writer or like the characters, you know, that he is, it kind of gave him some freedom to like be expressive and like, okay. you, you know, you don't always have to be yourself. You can kind of inhabit these characters when you're singing or writing. And some of that is definitely, you know, getting into that, the glam world. Oh yeah. That was, I mean, gosh, Bowie made a career out of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, you can do it. You yeah. may as well do it. Hey, exactly. <laughs> so, another cool track. That's always, that, that stands out to me. Every time I've listened to the album, and I've listened to it a lot lately, is Wrong, Wrong, Wrong. Mm -hmm. That is so fuzzy and bouncy. It's <laughs> just a, a, it's like one of the most fun tracks on the, on the album. it's so weird and we're like really it's weird like it doesn't seem weird to us <laughs> uh, but we were so in it like 
Drew and I just down there in the studio, like, you know, adding stuff and taking stuff away and he'd go down there and then I'd go down there and we'd, you know, try things. It was very collaborative. The two of us kind of pushing each other. Like I love arranging and kind of switching things around. Like he would say, Oh, well that's the chorus. I'm like, that's not the chorus. Like this other thing's the chorus. Like that's the chorus. (laughs) No, this is the chorus. No, that's the chorus. You know, like just really kind of getting into it on, on a lot of levels and kind of, I mean, it's in our house, you know, so like we're always able to go down and work on it, you know, for better or for worse. Like now that we're more of like a band, I would imagine there, the music will, the recording will be a little more live. And there are a couple of songs that we recorded with Kathy and, and Anita that, you know, have a bit more of the live feel, but yeah, I mean, Technically we could have just re-recorded the whole thing, like with the four piece playing together live. But I think it's a good document of the album as it is, is a good document is what we were doing and, and the progression of slangs. I'm sure the next record will be more of a live record because of how we are writing now. Right. But at the time it really was just true and me like in the basement, you wow. know, working on stuff and, you know, it's, it got to be very comfortable. Like he, he lets me comp his vocals or decide which vocal takes are best or, okay. you know, like, oh, this verse is best from this one. And this verse is best from this one. And there's a lot of trust there now in that way, which is really great. Was it tough to decide when a song was finished? I guess that's kind of a hard thing. Yeah. I can't even remember now. I think it's pretty obvious, but I'm sure we overworked some things and then had to go back. <laughs> I think I can remember like, you know, like trying something else. I mean, okay, it's, it's done. Yeah. Like, that's it. That's it. You know? And at a certain point there's a time restriction, which is always good to have, Yeah, you know, like it's due at this point right. and then you just have to finish. Like otherwise, you know, it does get, you know, you start going down the rabbit hole. Oh like, Yeah you could always change everything, you know, like, and you just want to find that balance of like giving it enough time, but not giving it too much, too much time. I can't yeah. believe that bands would spend, you know, every day for years in the studio, just oh. racking up costs. And that seems writing in the studio to that extent seems really tough. Well, you know, we're in our house where it doesn't cost any money. Yeah. Uh, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to do that if we were in a studio. Oh no. Yeah. You'd have a lot more restrictions. Yeah. And you can't just can't afford it to like exactly. camp out there for two years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Unless you're like Guns N' Roses or the Rolling Stones. Yeah. Or and it, like Guns N' Roses, it didn't help them so much. I don't think. No. I mean that, that album came out and literally a week later I saw it in, at, for a dollar ninety nine. Yeah. Like, oh, that's gotta be heartbreaking. Uh, yeah. Oh. Well, you know, but I, I love the title track. Oh, cool. Okay. Good. Ghost that, that is to me, that's the one that's a little more unique sounding on the album uh-huh. than, than, uh, uh, wrong, wrong, wrong. That one kind of stands out a little bit as being a little, little different from, and then not that everything sounds the same cause there's a, a wide variety of styles, but that mm-hmm. one to me just seems a little bit apart from the rest. I don't want to have to start again After it dies 
personal story of drew's you know it's it's not a character that's like you know not that they're all characters but this one is like the one that kind of crystallizes what he was going through when he was writing the words okay so you know if i was going to take one song like what's the record about like it's that's a good one lyrically to like you know his kind of struggles human his human struggles uh, are all encapsulated i think in that song well that song and wilder are my two favorites off the album so okay that, cool i absolutely good to know yeah <laughs> <laughs> his vocals are amazing the music is incredible everything just kind of and they both hit in different ways okay um, good well thanks that's about it for the album but okay i did hear that you are very much into cars I do love cars. I love cars as well. I am a huge <laughs> I, car nut. I just, Drew and I walked to get coffee and there was a, it's like brand new 911 Porsche Targa Turbo oh, Silver. Wow. And I was like, okay, could I pull it off? Like, <laughs> can you see me in that car? He's like, yeah, I think, I think that car really suits you. And that was like the compliment of the day. Like, yeah. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> I love cars. I do love cars. I hate to say it because it's, you know, like we need to be phasing cars out, but I do love them and I love the old cars and I even love new cars. Yeah, me too. Um, (laughs) Me too. It's it's fun. It's just a fun thing and they look so awesome and some are so stupid, Yeah, you know, (laughs) and some are so great. (laughs) I would love to have one, one of each type, a a stupid car, like a Reliant Robin kind of thing. Yeah. I would love that. I would love an, a, a hot rod. I, I used to restore cars and build hot rods with my dad. So I, I would love to get back into that if I could ever afford it again. That's the thing is that it's, it's not just, you can't just pick one. No. Like, and it's all different styles. I was driving to go to this big dog park that I go to a couple of times a week. And there was a car, like a little car show in the parking lot of a diner. Oh, and wow. I just practically crashed. Like, ah! I, was like, <laughs> like I gotta go. You know, like, I gotta go see these cars. It was all like muscle cars, and, oh. you know, cars from 1965, and just these old codgers out there. Oh I'm yeah. Like, okay. Well, eventually, you know, like <laughs> I can't play music. I could just get into this whole like classic car scene. Oh yeah. I'd, I'd be the youngster. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm the, I'm old for music, but I'd be young for classic cars. Oh, for, for years I drove like when I was in high school, it's so 90, 91, I graduated in 91. So from 90 to 91, every day to high school, I drove a 1953 Ford F100. Wow. But it had a 400 Chevy small block in it. So it was, it was, it was a small block VA, you know, not, not the big block 400, but man, 
I had so much fun driving that. It had the only thing power in it were the brakes. It had the manual steering. So the, the steering wheel was like six feet across. It That's was, very cool. Oh, it was my, I love that car. If I could get that thing. The kids like that car? Were kids into it? Or were kids like, he's driving this weird, weird Both. car? The, the kid, <laughs> okay. when, when they, if they saw me, as soon as I patched, cause I basically just had straight pipes coming off of, off the exhaust and it, it had, um, uh, like uh, glass packs, but all the uh, fiberglass had blown out. They were, they'd been uh-huh. out there for so long that uh, it was basically just almost like straight pipes dumping out right behind the, uh, <laughs> right in front of the, the rear fenders. So it was, okay. if, if the running boards were off, it would have been like side pipes. It was just, I, I, <laughs> it was so loud. I love that thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's always the car, the one that got away that people dream about and yeah. when you hit midlife and then you want the car back and yeah, and then, I, yeah. mine are always like these grocery getter like uh <laughs> port wagons that i get super attached to those things are I'm awesome driver, so, so i need a i need a wagon but you know like the 97 850r volvo wagon which oh. i you know if i had that car in a stick shift that would be it like i just would be the happiest person that car's no joke either yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you ever it's a were, rocket ship in it but it looks like a you know like an old lady's car which fits me have you have you ever watched <laughs> the show top gear oh yeah did you see the one where they took the volvo wagon through africa no i think, I think it was either africa or south america i don't remember which one it was Oh my gosh. You should look that one up. It's, it's <laughs> okay. It's amazing. James May right. took that one. I mean, you might not like it cause it doesn't end up well <laughs> for the car. All right. Well, but. that's okay. It's TV. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, Janet, I've, I've kept it for a while. We've gone through two zoom sessions. So <laughs> I really thank you so much for spending all this time with me and talking about all your music and that I love the new album. So yeah, thanks. Thank you for having me on. It was a lot of fun. Oh, it is my pleasure. How can listeners get the album, the new slang album, the first slang album? And, uh, is there a social media presence where they can follow you guys for shows and things like that? Yeah, we have, uh, our Instagram. I'm like, what is it? It's (laughs) It's like Twitter is real slang. Instagram is just slang. And Facebook is slang <laughs> hard to keep track i'm in a lot of bands yeah. um but yeah there's a there's a slang band camp and that's the best place okay. to buy the record or pre-order this week it comes out a week from today or actually it'll come out you know whenever i guess or maybe it'll already be out yeah, so yeah be out. slang slang band camp is a place to buy the record and then yeah instagram we list all the shows and what's coming up and <laughs> 